Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time all across this place. Man, we are excited. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And so, uh, man, we're kicking off going straight back into the Taking Ground series. And so, man, we are genuinely excited about what God is doing here at TC. I remember I was driving recently in my truck, and as I was driving, I, uh, I, I got caught in the rain. How, how many guys are the people that replace your windshield wipers before they need to be replaced? That's what I thought. How many guys are like, oh, yeah, six years ago, I probably should have replaced those. Now might be the time. Anybody in here? Perfect. Okay. The rest of you are like, you need to replace those? I don't know. Um, And so I'm the guy that waits a little too long. And so I went, I got a new windshield wiper for my truck. Notice I said one because the other side doesn't matter, right? And so I, I replaced the driver's side windshield wiper. And so then I go out and it's raining. And so I, uh, I, I'm driving down the road, I'm raining, and I go to turn the windshield wiper on. It goes up, and when it comes down, the only thing that comes down is the pole that the windshield wiper connects to. Because it flung that bad boy right off. And so in my mind, I'm 10 minutes from my house. In my mind, I'm like, it's a good thing it's not raining that hard. As you can imagine, what's about to happen next, right? The sky's open and like a Noah's Ark flood comes down, right? And so I'm literally just driving on reflectors in the road. You know what I'm saying? Like if these reflectors are going towards the ditch, here we go. Okay, so um, and so I, I'm driving and can't see anything. And all of a sudden, finally, I get close to the house. And when I'm getting closer to the house, the rain lets up. There's a, a O'Reilly's Auto Parts thing right next to my house. And so the rain lets up and it hits me as I'm getting closer to my house. The rain is gone. I don't need a windshield wiper now. Where the procrastinators at? Where y'all at? Right? Like, I was like, I, you know, it's not raining now. I can, we'll get it later. And then I'm not going to say it was God that like hit me, but it was like one of the things that was like, when you need it again, you're not going to have time to stop then. Like, right. It was like, all of a sudden I realized like, no, I'm going to need clear vision when it starts raining, not when it stops raining. Right. And so, um, I went in got two windshield wipers, you know, <laughs> pinkies out. Anyway, so I went in and got two windshield wipers, replaced it. But here's what I realize and what I'm getting at is how many guys know you got to have good vision if you're going to see where you're going. And in that moment, I had terrible vision because I couldn't see anything. But you got to have good vision. Say vision. Turn to your neighbor and say vision. Come on, say it like you believe it. Come on, say vision. There you go. So you got to have good vision if you're going to see where you're going. Proverbs 29, 18 says, With, where there is no vision, say vision, people perish. And the word Vision there means a dream, a revelation. If you can't see the dream, if you can't see the revelation, if you can't see where you're going, people perish. And the word perish there doesn't mean like you actually die. What it means is there's a death to your dreams. There's a, a death to believing for better things for your life, for your marriage, for where you're going, for what you're doing. When you can't dream and you can't see, and you have no revelation for your life of what you're wanting for it, everything in you kind of dies. And I guarantee you, you or someone you know have been at a place where they stopped dreaming about what life could be, and they kind of just gave up on everything they wanted it to be. And I'm here to tell you today that where there's no dream, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, people perish. Something inside you dies. 
when you're not dreaming about what could be, right? In your notes, I put it like this. You need to remember that you were made for significance, not just survival. And I believe for a lot of us, we've kind of fallen into this rut where we just kind of wake up, we go to work, we come home, we eat, we go to sleep, we wake up. And it's not that we're dream. we're not pushing for great things. We're not believing God for great things. We're kind of just existing in the life that we have. And I'm here to tell you, you were made for significance, not just survival. Turn to your neighbor and say significance. Come on, say it like you believe it. All right, so y'all better help me out. Dream team, y'all better definitely help me. All right, say significance. That's a little bit better. We'll take it. All right. So not just survival. Proverbs 29, 18 in the message paraphrase, it puts it like this. And I really like it. It says, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. When you can't see how God is moving in your life, you're just stumbling all over everything. But when they attend to what he, God, reveals, they are most blessed. That word blessed there represents like giddy in your soul. You remember how you felt, how you used to feel when the ice cream man rolled through your neighborhood? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. It was like, and then like somehow they got like trap ice cream music. I don't know how that was like, that was like, I don't know, right? But you hear the ice cream man and you're like, oh gosh, mom, give me a dollar, right? Um, and so that's a, that giddy feeling, that like, oh snap, trap music ice cream man's here. You know what I mean? Like, that was the, that's the type of feeling that they're talking about when they're trying to help you understand the word blessed. So when, when they can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when, when they attend, when they look and go, oh, man, this is what God is doing. It's like, oh, snap. Mom, give me a dollar. Sorry, I didn't include that. Some of us are still broke. Okay, so it is what it is. So. But I want you to understand, God wants something for your life, man. He wants you to have godly vision because when you have godly vision, you're seeing what God is doing. And when you're seeing what God is doing, you're believing for what God wants you to believe for, which, hear me, is more than what you could believe for. God wants you to take ground. This whole series, taking ground. He wants you to have godly vision. And listen, some of us need to change how we see things because we don't see things the way God sees things. We need to have godly vision for where he's going. Listen, for some of you, you don't like the page of life that you're on. Some of you, maybe things are going good for you. You're like, hey, listen, I'm, God's like, everything's been great. But some of you, you may be at a point where life is not going the way you wanted it to go. And you're upset because you exist on a page in the middle of a chapter that's in the middle of a book. And hear me, you haven't seen the end of this chapter and you definitely haven't read the end of this book. So I wanna encourage you today, fresh out the gate, don't let the fact that you don't like this page cause you to not like the chapter and close the book too early. Because God wants you to believe for bigger things in your life than just what you're experiencing on this page of your life. There's more coming, more that he has for you and more that he wants for you. And I'm here to tell you to get what he has for you. It's gonna take seeing things the way way he sees things and not just the way you see things because the way we see things doesn't always line up to the way God sees things am I right and so he wants us to see it listen us telling God what he can't do with the things that we don't have because we don't know how he could provide doesn't mean he's limited it means we're limited but God is not limited by our understanding listen I want to help you with this Godly vision turns doubt into determination. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. Godly vision turns doubt into determination. God, I don't know how you're going to come through. 
Godly vision turns doubt. I don't know how. I don't know if you can. I don't know what you're going to do. It turns doubt into determination. And so I want to take you to 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're going to spend our, our time today looking at this story of Elisha and the king of Aram. And so to catch you up on the story so that we can jump straight in, kind of in the middle of it, the king of Aram is coming against the king of Israel. And so as he's coming to attack them, right, he's at war with them, and he prepared an attack, and Elisha, who is God's man of the hour, he's the prophet at this time, Elisha keeps telling the king of Israel everything that the king of Aram is planning because he's close to God. And so God speaks to Elisha and says, hey, tell the king of Israel, don't go there because the king of Aram is about to attack there. And so he keeps avoiding him. Well, as you can imagine, the king of Aram is getting frustrated. And at one point, he even thinks he's being betrayed. And he goes to his people and he's like, which one of y'all keep telling on us? Like, which one of y'all keeps telling their army where we're going? He thinks he's being betrayed, and that's where we pick up in verse 12. And his people respond, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. In other words, words you've never told to anyone, he somehow knows what they are. And the reason this is, is because Elijah has a different vantage point of the situation than everyone else does, right? His closeness to God lets him see things the way no one else can see things. And I want to encourage you today, high positions change how you see what's happening in your life. And so we go to 2 Kings 6, 13 through 14, and he says this, go find out where he is. Talking about this is the king of Aram, go find out where he the prophet Elijah is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. That is not Alabama, by the way. All right. <laughs> I'm not sure anything good has ever come. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. All right. And so king, the king of Aram sends all of these men. They're surrounding the city that Elisha and the king of Israel and the armies are in. So they're there, and all of a sudden, they surround them, right? And that's where we pick up in verse 15. Let's go there. When the servant of the man of God, so the man of God is Elisha. So when Elisha's servant got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Could you imagine? Like, you get up early, you got to get some water. You know, you need like 24 ounces of water because you accidentally slept with your mouth open type of thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So like, he gets up, he's going to get some water, and all of a sudden he's looking around like, oh, no. He looks around. They're surrounded by the enemy, chariots, horses, everywhere. And so he, he looks at them, and that's where it goes back to, right? The servant asks, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? Have you ever been there before? Not surrounded by horses and chariots, but surrounded by doubt. Have you ever been somewhere in your life where you didn't know how God was going to come through, if he could come through? You've got a doctor's report in your hand. Your boss came to you and said, hey, listen, we got to let you go because we're, we got to change some things. We're not making money like we used to because of this or because of that. Have you ever been in the situation where you were surrounded by circumstances where you didn't understand how God was going to come through? And again, it may not be armies, but you know what it feels like to be surrounded by doubt. 
You don't know how God is going to come through for this job, for your marriage, for your kids, for something that you're praying for. And I'm here to tell you right now, that's where we pick up right here because we don't know maybe what it feels like to be surrounded by chariots, but we do know what it feels like to be surrounded by chaos. And the servant goes to Elisha. He says, what are we going to do? And Elisha's response in verse 16, I love this, don't be afraid. Like, could you imagine, like, don't be afraid. Like, sorry, bro, we're a little late for that, right? But here's what I want you to understand when we're talking about godly vision. I want to give you some help, some tips with godly vision. Number one, a change in your altitude always leads to a change in your attitude. A change in your altitude. What I mean by altitude is how you, when you get closer to God, it changes something in here. When you are getting closer to God, it changes how you feel about what you're going through. It changes how you feel about what you're enduring. The closer you are to God, the more clearly you can see what God is doing. The prophet wasn't worried about the armies that were around them because they were con- he was connected to God in a different way. Listen to me. The situation was the same for both of them. They were both surrounded by armies. They were both confused, and they were both about to die or get captured. They were both in chaos. They both had an opportunity for doubt. But one of them was seeing things differently than the other one. And it's not because the situations were different. It was because they were seeing things differently. Elisha was seeing things the way God sees things and the servant was seeing things the way man sees things. And I'm here to tell you today that if we'll get closer to God, it'll change how we see what we're going through. And so he comes in and he says, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Have you ever noticed that whatever you're the closest to seems bigger at the time? Matter of fact, I want you to do this. Everyone get your phone out real quick. Go ahead and take it out. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Take your phone out. And you know how you do the thing where you're like holding the moon? You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it. And you take the picture. I want you to do that, but do it with me. Okay? So like, I want you to take your phone out. And I want you to play. Get me in the frame. Hurry up. Hurry up. Come on now. Come on. All right. I'll pose. All right. Go ahead. Hurry up. You guys got it? You got, you wait, we're waiting on Android users. Come on, guys. Get it together. All right. iPhones. Click. Done. Androids are like, hold on. Let's focus. Mm-hmm. All, right. all right, there we go. All right, you got it? Everyone's got it? Perfect. Perfect. Okay, all right, very good. All right. Ricky, you got yours? No? Androids, come on, man. Chris, you got yours? iPhone, come on, baby. Look, bring it here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Undelay, with speed. <laughs> Wisp, or not, you know. Is this yours? Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, whatever, man. Okay, so anyways. So, perfect. You did, you did exact. Now, now, hold your hand up and try to fit me in it again. I don't care what you do. It ain't happening, brother. Okay, you're not, you're not fixing to do that. You want to know why? Because you got closer to me than you got away from me. Everyone, I want you to understand something. If you walked up to me right now, I don't care how big your hand is, you ain't fitting me inside of it. Right? Y'all didn't have to laugh that hard. Okay, so that was a little unnecessary. <laughs> I don't care how, it doesn't matter. Why? Because the closer you get to something, the bigger it gets. So when you go through something and your problem seems gigantic and God seems so small, it's not because God is small and your problem is big. It's because you're closer to your problem than you are God. 
And the closer we'll get to God, the smaller our problems get. But for many of us, it always seems like our problem is so big because we're going, God, this is so huge. And God's, why am I way over there? But the closer we get to God, the bigger he gets. But the closer we get to God and the bigger he gets, guess what starts happening to our problem? The smaller our problems get. And if we'll start understanding that godly vision changes how we see our problems, it doesn't make the problem smaller. It makes it smaller to us. Because it's smaller to the one who is actually small for, which is God. So the closer we get to God, the closer we realize and the bigger that we realize God is and the smaller our problems are. Listen to me. I put it in your notes. Your proximity to God always changes the perspective of your problem. Now, y'all are quiet today. This is a message that better be transforming your life. So hopefully you're just soaking it all in. Your proximity to God changes the perspective of your problem. Some of you have been praying for your marriage, you've been praying for your finances, you've been praying for your bank account, you've been praying for your job, you've been praying for your kids, and I'm here to tell you today, the issue isn't getting closer to that. The issue is that you get closer to God, and it'll change how you see that. And so we have to understand that our proximity changes things. That's why Romans 8.28 says, and we know for those who love God, say love God. Say it one more time, love God. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Say good. That means the bad stuff works together for good. That means the confusing parts of life actually work together for good. When we look at the servant, we're surrounded by the enemy. God says, I'm working it together for good. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is working all of those things out. Let's go back to the story in 2 Kings chapter 6, 16 through 17. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Once again, I want to invite you back to the eyesight of the servant. Nah. But Elisha's like, there's more for us than they are with them. I can see, if it were me, because I'm kind of sarcastic, I'd be like, one, two, three, four, five, six thousand sixty-six. I see a lot of them, and I don't see a lot for us. Come on, help me out. How many of y'all, God's like, hey, I don't want you to worry about that. And you're like, mm, try again. How many of you guys are like, don't worry about that job. I got that taken care of. And you're like, mm, I don't know. I know you want to fight with your spouse, but just pray for him instead. Mm. Right? Pray for those that despitefully use you. Mm. That person at work that you can't stand, I want you to go to them, tell them that you love them, that God's doing something great in their life. Mm-hmm. That boss you can't stand, I want you to go to them, tell them you're going to pray for them every day for the next 28 days. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we only see things through our eyes. And when we look through our eyes, we don't see what God is doing. But God is always working when we don't see how God is working. So we go back. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than we are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. The word see right there doesn't mean see because he could already see. The see. Him seeing the armies was what was giving him doubt. The word see there isn't see as in visualize. The, prophet, the word see there means a revelation. 
So open his eyes, Lord, so that he can have a revelation of what he can't see. He can see what he's seeing, but I want you to help him see what he's not seeing. I want you to help him see what he can't have with his own eyes. His eyes are telling him that we're losing, but I want you to help him see that we're actually winning. His eyes are showing him that it's over, but I want you to show him and let him see that it's really just the beginning. His eyes are telling him that there's nothing we can do, but I want you to help him see that this is just where God is starting us. There's something else that's coming. I want you to help him see it's not over yet. You're not done moving and you're going to help us gain victory over everything that's in front of us. Listen to me. Some of us need to start seeing what God is showing us rather than just seeing what's happening in front of us. Because God is moving even when we can't see him. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. Say opened. Opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I'm praying that for some of you, God lets you see. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to like, you don't have to do nothing, but just in your own, with your own words, right where you sit, just saying, God, help me see. There's something I'm believing for in my job, in my marriage, in my relationship, in my kids, in my, in my family, I'm a doctor's report that I got. God, help me see what you see when I can't see what you see. Because I'm believing that you're going to do something when I don't understand what's happening. Why? Because I want you to understand the second part about godly vision. Godly vision opens the door to godly provision. Godly vision opens the door to God's provision. Listen, God is going to give. God is going to bless. God is going to do something abundantly. I'm not telling you you're getting a yacht or a million dollars. What I'm telling you is God's covenant with you will carry you when it seems like you can do nothing for yourself. But when God carries you, when it seems like you can do nothing for yourself, it starts with seeing how God or seeing that God is going to do something, even when you don't know how God is going to do whatever he's going to do. It's declaring in your mouth what you are having a hard time believing in your heart. All right, God, I know that I don't see how you're going to do it, but I'm believing that you're going to do it. I'm speaking not things into existence, but I am speaking to my own doubt that would be overcome with faith so that I could have a confidence in what you're doing, where you're going, where you're leading, and how you're going to provide. Having godly vision leads to God's provision for us. That's why Psalms 5, 11 through 12 says, uh, that, but let all who take refuge in you, God, be glad. Take refuge in you. Here's a question I have for you. Why would you need refuge? Unless something else was attacking you. Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Be glad not that the attack went away, but that you're guarded by the one who can make the attack go away. Let us take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Have any of you ever gotten hung up on a small part of your story and it wasn't until later that you realized that the small part of your story that you were hung up on was actually part of a bigger part of God's story for you? Have you ever gotten hung up on the page of your life and it wasn't until later chapters of your life later that you realized that that one page was actually part of a much bigger thing that God was doing? And all of a sudden, because chapters went by, you were like, oh God, you were doing all of these things and I was just hung up on this thing. Come on, help me out. Some of you ladies, you praying for that relationship to work. God's saying, I'm trying to send you a stud husband and you're hung up on this knucklehead. 
right? You, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I need you to touch this thing right here. And God's saying, man, I'm trying to do all this. And you're just praying about this because you, don't, you can't see all this that I'm trying to do. And so we just get so fixated. God, I just need you to, I need you to kind of come through right here. And God's saying, if I come through right there, you're going to miss all of this that I'm trying to do. And I want to take you to the rest of the story, 2 Kings 6, 18 through 23, because a lot of times when we preach this message, we just preach about the chariots of fire surrounding them, and then we leave it alone. But something else actually happens, and I want to show you this in verse 18. As the enemy came toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So the enemy's coming to attack them, and Elijah says, God, strike them with blindness. So he, God, struck them with blindness just as Elisha had asked. Could you imagine? Armies are coming you sword in hand, shield, and all of a sudden they couldn't see anymore? Tell me that wouldn't be an episode of America's Funniest Home Videos. Because the first thing I'm doing is putting logs in the way. Like they're just going to be tripping all over themselves, right? And so they come down. And so they're, they're coming towards him. They can't see, but they don't know who they're fighting. So he gets down there, and that's where we pick up. So Elijah leads them into the city. Listen, get, get this. Elijah's like, hey, follow me. And they're like, all right. This is, cr- like, y'all don't read your Bible the way I read. This is hilarious to me because I could see this whole thing unfolding. They're like, we well, come to kill you, but since we can't see, just kind of lead us wherever. And so he leads them into the city. I'm catching you up. This is all in the Bible, but I'm skipping verses for time. Leads them in the city, right? They get into the city, right? And then God opens their eyes, and they're surrounded by the army that they came to kill. Could you imagine, right? Like, a sword in hand, you're like, hey, listen, I was just... Someone else sent me, you know, I'm just here, right? And so they get there, and then the king of Israel asks Elijah, what do I do with them? Should I kill them? And Elijah's response to them, no, throw a party. Like, I don't even like throwing parties for people I like. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We're talking about the enemy. He says, throw them a party. It's in the Bible. Y'all should go. Y'all got to read this. Thing. It's cra- There's stuff in here, y'all. Like, you got to check it out. So he says, throw him a party. And that's what he does. So we pick up in verse 23. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away. I have questions. Because I, even if I throw him a party at the end, if you're trying to kill me, there's really only one option. Y'all picking up what I'm throwing down? Don't get self-righteous on me. Y'all got people that talk bad about you behind your back, and you done railed on them on Facebook. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, so if they're trying to kill me, there's one option here. We got to wipe them out, right? What does he do? Elisha tells him, send them away. If I was the king, I'm like, "Mm, I know you've been hearing from God a lot. I think you missed it on this one, though. In the Bible, read it. And he sent them away. And they returned to their master. And this is the, I want you to read this last part. Not out loud, but just read it with me. So the bands, the armies from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. He sent them away with grace and they never attacked again. Had they done what they could have done and killed that part of the army, guess what's coming tomorrow? Another army. 
And guess what's coming the next day? Another army. And guess what's going to keep attacking their land? Another army and another army and another army. And it was because they started seeing things the way God wanted them to see things. And they did things the way God wanted them to do things that they didn't get attacked again. They stopped attacking altogether. Listen to me. You're looking for God to change this thing when God is looking to change everything. For some of you, you're looking, God, I just need you to pay this bill. If you could pay this bill, things would be better. God's going, what if I called you into a place where you were obedient with what you have to where I blessed you to where you never needed to ask me to pay another bill again? Like some of you are getting ready to say yes to showing financially into the Imagine campaign. Some of you are saying yes to just giving in general. Like this isn't about money. This is about you. And I want you to really hear my heart here for a second. Some of you, you feel like you can't afford to give to God. I'm not talking about giving to me. I'm not talking about giving to TC. If you come here, if you're visiting today, from another church. I'm talking about giving to your church, wherever your church is. What I'm saying is for some of you, you're like, I can't afford to. What I want to help you understand is you can't afford not to. Because when we give to God, God gives back to us in a greater measure, the Bible says. And some of you are going to start giving to God and you're going to go from God, can you help pay this electric bill? Can you help me pay the mortgage? Can you help me do this? To living a life of abundant generosity where God's not just fixing this thing, he's fixing everything. You're going to step into a place where you're going, all right, God, I'm saying yes. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know where you're going to come through, but I'm believing with faith that you're going to do something. And when God comes through, it no longer is about fixing the small little details of your life. It's about walking in a covenant relationship with God where he's coming through constantly for you. And you're never going around putting out small fires. You're praising God for how he's overarching with favor in your life. Because that's what God wants for you. That's why Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do so much more than you could ask or imagine. If you've been in church a while, you know the words there say exceedingly, abundantly more than we could think or imagine. According to his power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, God is getting ready to do great things. Kind of like those lights went out right then. All right. So uh, that was great timing because we're getting ready to play a video. And so that works really well as a segue. <laughs> okay. So I want you to watch this video. Now the lights are out on you. We can play a game. It'll be great. It'll be me and then you. Okay. We're getting ready to watch this video. In all seriousness, as we're wrapping up today, about a family in our church who was believing God for big things. And as they were believing God for something supernatural, God didn't just want to fix this small aspect of their life. He wanted to give them hope in all of their life, exceedingly, abundantly more. How God came through in a miraculous way. Let's roll it, guys. My name is Jacob. My name is Courtney. So we got married in October of 2020. And for about eight months, I would say we were trying to have a baby, uh, just because we've already been together about six years. And it was getting to the point where we weren't waiting necessarily, because we were already kind of mature in our relationship. We wanted to get things started. Um, so around that time, it was trying, trying, and trying after again and again. I took like nine or 10, because I was all the time taking tests, because I'm so excited. It impacted me, because here you are pulling out this test, and it's negative. That feeling is like a feeling that you could never like explain. It, it hurts, it immediately puts depression all the way through your body. It was especially hard because women are so excited and it was mostly females who would come up to me and ask 
like, oh, we're all pregnant. It's been a year now. Y'all are married for a year. Where, where, where's the baby? And it was like pressure because also family. Like my grandma literally was like, I'm gonna be dead before you have a kid. And she told me that. Like so many people and, and it impacted me even more because it was family that knew that we were trying. Is it my fault? Like, I was to the point where I was thinking, is it, am I not able to have kids? And yeah. not wanting to speak about it. And that was, that was what's going through my head the entire time. Asking women when they're gonna get pregnant or how they're gonna get pregnant or anything like that is between them and their spouse because it, that is what made my depression so much worse. You don't know what they're fighting. Because it, it's like, y'all don't understand how bad I want a kid and how much we, like how long we've been trying and how hard we've been praying. And my, I'm walking on very thin faith right now with this. And then God sent me someone, Pastor, Pastor Dan, he pulled me out and was like, hey, I read your Facebook post like a while back and just wanted you to know like the Lord spoke to me in Kentucky. And I was in a deer stand and just out of nowhere that post came to my mind and uh, I began to pray for her and Jacob and uh, asking God to give them their child. And uh, it was just like the Holy Spirit spoke to me, you know, that he was gonna give them the desires of their heart. Went looking for her, I saw Jacob in the lobby and then uh, I remembered she worked with the children. So I go back to the children's room and I asked for her, Lydia, our leader, went in and got her and brought her out. I wanted to let her know that I really felt like God had spoke to my heart to encourage her and let her know that he was gonna give them the desires of their heart and that, that she was gonna conceive and have a child. And that I just wanted to pray for her and I just prayed a simple prayer with her. And I was like, oh my gosh, like just whenever you think, like just when you need that faith, God will send you. Just when you're on, it's he, he, he sends that person at just the right timing. Thanksgiving happened and I was like, okay, I don't feel good. It was like five or six o'clock in the morning. I didn't feel good. And I was like, man, I gotta take a test. But I was scared to take a test. You, you found the test. I found the test, so I didn't know how old it was. Took the test. Immediately, it popped up positive. And I just stand there and my heart starts pounding like, oh nah, this was like a jank test. Like, this is not real. I run to him. He thinks someone's breaking in the house. I thought into the house because you were screaming so loud. No stores are open on Thanksgiving, so I couldn't go find another test. I'm like, this, I don't want to get my hopes up. But then Dollar General, praise God for Dollar Generals and those workers on Thanksgiving. I got a few more tests, took them, they immediately came up positive. I just couldn't wait to get back to church to tell Pastor Dan. Because literally that Sunday he told me, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. You're going to conceive. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to tell him, I got to tell him, I got to tell him. And I saw her coming and in my heart, because you know when you say something like that, you're going like, God, please let this work because I'm going to look like I don't hear from you at all, you know, because I don't do that that often, you know me. I was going to bring a test, but I'm like, nah, I peed on that. That probably wouldn't be like COVID <laughs> safe, you know? So I like ran to him. I was like, guess what, guess what? And she said Thanksgiving Day, uh, I took a home test and it was positive. And I think she said they took two more, I think three total, and they were all positive. And she said, I found out that we're expecting our child and God's son, he's honored his work. So walking with faith, not by sight, has been something that TC has really taught me because it's like God pulls through no matter what. Come on.
That's a beautiful story. And so as we wrap up today, here's a question that I have for you. What are you believing God for in your life? I want you to take a second. What do you believe in God for? What areas of your life have you given up on? Because you didn't know how God was going to do it. What areas of your life is doubt holding you down? Because I believe God wants to speak life into places that you've given up on. I believe God wants you to take ground in places where you have reserved that it cannot happen. And I believe God wants to declare to you that just because everyone else and even yourself has said that it can't happen, God wants you to know that it can happen. And that he aims to finish what he starts for our lives and in our lives. God wants you to believe for big things in your life because when he does big things in our life, he gets the glory out of our lives. And God is consumed with making sure that the world knows that he is all powerful, that he is glorious, and that he is the one that comes through for his people. And so whether it's for you, whether it's for your job, whether it's for you're believing for something in your career, maybe it's for your marriage, maybe it's for your kids or, or relatives that you're believing God's gonna do something in their life. I'm here to tell you, don't let go just because you seem like you're surrounded by doubt or chaos because God can come through when you don't know how he can come through. He's a God that does that for his people. So what are you believing for? And so I wanted to give you these steps. I, I feel like God put it on my heart to give you instructions, some quick instructions. We're going to give these to you quickly on steps towards godly vision. Are you ready? I'm going to move through them quickly. There's, there's nine, which I, that's, I, that sounds daunting, but I'm going to move quickly. Number one, you've got to get specific about the vision you're believing to see. Get specific. God, I'm not just, I'm believing God's going to move in my life. Yes and amen. But let's talk about how. I remember we sat down with a young man. We were going through 21 days of prayer one time. And he said, I'm believing that God's going to show up. He's going to give me a new job. That job's going to offer me insurance. They're going to give me a car. They're going to give me a gas card. They're going to do this. I remember me and Pastor Dan looking at each other like, that's a lot, bro. <laughs> you know, full of faith we are. You know what I'm saying? I was like, maybe just the job. Let's start with the job, right? But he was specific. Guess what God gave him? The job, the insurance, the car, the gas card. Listen, you gotta start, we gotta start believing God for bigger things than just moving my life. No, no, no. How are you expecting to see him move in your life, right? Number two, say yes to the journey because between where you are and God's provision, there's a journey you gotta say yes to. God, I'm believing you're gonna provide supernaturally in my finances. God's response to that is, all right, tithe and become a generous giver and I'll show up. Listen, say yes to the journey because it's in our obedience that triggers God's blessing. And so listen, say yes to the journey. Number three, write down the vision. Listen, a vision that's not written down is just a dream. Stop dreaming and start believing. Write it down. Here's what I would encourage you. This is on the screen. Put a date on it too. So that when God does come through, you can say, look at what I was believing for in January of 2022. And in January 2023, when he's come through or he's done whatever he's done in your life, you're going to look back and say, one year ago, I was believing for this. But a year later, God's doing this. Because it helps us give him glory. Number four, give faith-filled prayer. Give faith-filled prayer. What does that look like? Listen, all of us pray, but it's not always faith-filled prayer. Right? Anybody ever done this? God, I don't know how you're going to do this. 
Come on, help me out. Anybody? God, I don't know. You, you don't even finish words when you're praying? God, I don't know. Right? Listen, faith-filled prayer is, God, I may not know how, but I know that you will. And so I'm believing right now for my kids, for my spouse, for my job. I'm believing that you're going to do this. Specifically, I'm praying for these things. And when you come through, God, I know that we're going to give you the glory. Pray with faith-filled prayer. Prayer that has an expectation that God is going to do something. He may not always do it the way we want him to do it, but he's always listening and he always answers. And so faith-filled prayer. Number five, trust God is the provider. He is your provider. So when he says do this, trust him even when you don't know doing this doesn't make sense god perfect that's where he moves in the spaces that don't make sense all right trust him as your provider number six believe for miraculous moments not average moments not regular moments miraculous moments because it's in miraculous moments that god gets the glory out of our lives if you could have done it on your own we wouldn't be praising god we would say look what i did but when there was no way out and then god came through we're like thank you jesus that you came through when i couldn't come through for myself believe for miraculous moments number seven endure the uncertainty because there is a journey between the promise and the provision where things get a little uncertain if you were driving from miami to new orleans how many guys know if you only paid attention to the first seven hours, it starts to feel hopeless. And then all of a sudden you cross the line and you feel like you're going somewhere. Don't be shocked when the first six months, six days, six weeks of your journey, you're going, God, I was praying. I don't see you moving. He's moving. Sometimes it takes a little while to get past the uncertainty to where the promise is at. Number eight, experience God's favor. He will show up for us. And number nine, last but not least, praise God for the provision. This is the part I feel like we forget because when God comes through, we already start looking at the next thing we want him to do. Sometimes God wants us to sit where we're at for a second and acknowledge how he just came through for us. Where we go, God, thank you so much for how you just moved in my life. Thank you for how you transformed this and how you moved here and how you did this and how you provided here. I didn't know how you were going to do it, but you did it. And I didn't know how you were going to come through, but you came through. Come on, church. You know what I'm talking about. You have been moments where he came through for you. I didn't know how you were going to do it. I wasn't sure where you were coming through at, but you came through. And I thank you for how you did it then. And since you did it then, I'm believing you're going to do it now. And I'm going to praise you after you do it now because I know you're going to have to do it again. And God has to stir up a praise in our spirit when we start going, all right, God, I'm believing for supernatural things in my life. And I'm going to praise you every step of the way because he's a God that comes through for his people. I know we already went over on time, but I wanted to share this story where I feel like God just put it in my heart to share with you. I remember when we were, uh, our son who was sick was in the hospital. We were in the hospital for months at a time. And I remember before that, God, caught, he prompted us. We were getting ready to take an offering for a big thing. Pastor Dan was the pastor at the time. My wife came to me and she said, how much do we give? And I said, how much do you think we should give? And she gave me a number and I said, all right, double that and give it. And she, would, she gave me the look some of you are giving me now. She's like, hmm. And so I said, listen, God has never let us down. I don't think he's going to start now. He's prompting us to be generous and we're saying yes. Because I believe it's always important you understand there's nothing we ask people to do that God isn't asking us to do. And we said, we're saying yes right now. Little did we know that months later our son was going to be sick and so... Um, 
We were in hospitals for, for weeks at a time. And she used up all of her sick leave literally in the first like nine months. And we had nothing. And so we were, you know, like I was in ministry, which you don't do this to get rich. Okay, so, uh, so I'm in ministry. She's uh, out of sick leave and we didn't have any other options. And, and so uh, all of a sudden, the, someone at her job had found out that she had used up all of her sick leave. And they called her and they said, hey, we want to let you know that we know you don't have any sick leave left, but we just looked at the policy and somebody is donating their sick leave hours to you so that you can keep getting paid even while you're in the hospital. And then they called her again and said, you know what? They told some other people and now there are over 10 people that are donating their sick leave hours to you so that you can keep getting paid. I'm trying to help you understand something today. You don't always know where it's coming from, but we serve a God that's moving when we don't see him moving. Come on, stand to your feet with us as we wrap up today. If you're believing for God for supernatural things, I want you to start today by praising Him for what He already brought you from. Come on. I want you to lift your hands if that's how you worship. I want you to put your hands together if that's how you worship. I just want you to go to your moment. But here's what I want you to invite you to do. Thank God for where you brought me from. And since you brought me from there, I'm believing for where you're taking me. Come on, just let that be your praise right now. Thank you, God, for all that you've done in my life. And since you've done that in my life, I'm believing you're gonna do bigger things in my life. So I'm looking to you, I'm trusting you, I'm giving you everything. I'm saying yes to the journey, God. I'm specific about what I'm asking for. I'm gonna write down the vision. I'm gonna pray with faith. I'm gonna trust you as my provider. I'm believing that you're gonna come through in miraculous ways. I'm enduring the moments where I'm not sure if you're going to do it, but I know I'm going to experience your favor. And at the end of the day, I'm going to praise you because you are God and you deserve my praise because you're good. Come on, church. Tell him he's good. We love you today, God, and we worship you for who you are. We put you in your place this morning in Jesus name. If you're here right now and what you need in your life before you need anything else is God because sin in your life is separating you from him. And you can't be close to him, but right now he's moving on your heart to say yes to him. That you need forgiveness from your past so that you can have a fresh start in your future. And when Jesus went to the cross, he died for those sins so that you could have a clean slate. Today, if you wanna put your faith in Jesus for a fresh start, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you when you died for me, you wiped away my sins. So I give you my life. I put my faith in you. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen.